Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I'm so happy to have you with us today as we're diving into a brand new episode and we're talking about something that is maybe a little controversial. Maybe by the end of this episode, you might be saying, you know, Rachel, I love you. I like you. I'll still listen to your podcast, but I don't necessarily agree with you. And I would say to you, that's okay if that's where you land. My intention on talking about this topic is really to provoke some thoughts in you. Wherever you land is totally okay. I just hope you've thought about it. Does that make sense? So let's dive into today's episode. We're talking about the name of Jesus, specifically when Christians use the phrase in the name of Jesus. So, you know, I do this when I pray. In fact, I was praying just this morning and I I began the prayer with Father in the name of Jesus. If you've heard me pray on this podcast, you've probably heard me say something similar. A lot of us, when we conclude a prayer, will say, in the name of Jesus, right? And we use that phrase so much, I think some of us maybe don't understand what it means and what it actually is for. Why is Jesus's name so powerful? Is it the name Jesus, like the word Jesus, that carries the power Is it the name of the person who carries the power? Is it, you know, a combination of words that carries the power? It can be a little bit confusing when we don't stop and actually exercise our critical thinking skills. Okay, so let's begin by reading the Bible. That's a novel idea, right? Uh, You know, if I was able to sing, I would probably do a a jingle for you. Let's get biblical, biblical. And we're going to do that now on Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. So if you've got a Bible and you're not driving your car, um, turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Now, this might be a scripture that you've heard before. But it's a good one. It's a foundational one for our faith. And this is what it says. I'm going to be reading to you from the Amplified Translation. So it might have a few extra words than your translation. Quick side note, the Amplified Translation basically um, takes all the different contexts that the specific Greek and Hebrew words could mean and puts them in parentheses right there for you so that you can kind of gauge for yourself what's the best tense of that word. Um and in other translations, the, the translation scholars are doing that for you. So that's sort of where that comes from. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 says, For this reason also, because he, being Jesus, obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign God, to the glory and Father, excuse me, to the glory of God and the Father. So what this is saying is basically because Jesus humbled himself and took up the cross, because he became the sacrificial lamb to pay for your sins, God honored him by giving him the name that is above all names. Now, if you're looking biblical history-wise, you probably have noted that in the Old Testament, the highest name for God was Yahweh. Yahweh is the Hebrew name for God. 
the, what we would consider God the Father. And so when Jesus went to the cross, Yahweh gave the name Jesus to be the highest name there is. In other words, he gave the name of Jesus, he gave Jesus's position as as um, the highest God on the earth. Now, this is kind of confusing because it doesn't mean that the Father doesn't exist anymore or that the Father isn't important or the Holy Spirit isn't important. Remember, these three, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, are working together in complete union. What it means is that from that point forward, God will be referred to as Jesus. He will allow you to refer to him as Jesus. So when we pray and we say, Jesus, we're actually referring to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit in that name because Philippians 2 tells us God gave Jesus the name that is above all other names. The other part of this scripture that's really interesting is that not only did God exalt the name of Jesus to the highest place in the heavens and on the earth, but that the authority that comes with the name of Jesus and the person of Jesus is the most you know, the highest amount of authority you can have. So this is why when Jesus shows up on the scene in the Bible, things begin to change, right? Um, I'm reminded of the moments when Jesus is walking in his ministry in the Gospels and demonic, you know, beings would begin to manifest in front of him or begin to expose themselves in front of him, you know, especially like Legion, right? He's ministering to the man who's, um, you know, just encumbered by a, a thousand something demons is sort of the imagery we're given. And those demons say, I know you are a son of God. I know, you know, that they can understand something about Jesus's nature because he holds this authority and this power. So when you and I are praying in the name of Jesus, what is actually happening? Are we asking Jesus to come in that moment? Or are we saying that by using this name, we're wielding the power of God? Now, this is probably something you may have never thought about before, but I'm telling you, you've got to put a little bit of thought into it, especially in today's day and age. And here's why. I'm not here to to tell you what you should or shouldn't watch on TV, what you should or shouldn't watch in fiction, all of that. You have to, you know, deal with that with the Holy Spirit. But when I was a kid, I was fascinated with paranormal stories. I read all the R.L. Stein stories. I was obsessed with the Salem witch trials. I read so much uh, witchcraft fiction books because there was something about the paranormal that was so interesting to me. And I didn't understand that it was the prophetic discernment side of my life that was gravitating to something I knew to be true but didn't know what to do with. Some of you guys probably have similar stories. In fact, one of the ways you can know which kids are uniquely spiritually sensitive is by the type of stories they need to read. Side note, I was working the book fair at my kids' elementary school uh, one day a couple weeks ago, and you know they, they sell at the book fair some kind of creepy stories, some horror books kind of thing, but they're written for kids, like R.L. Stein. And whenever somebody would come up to me with their book, you know, I can't tell them, hey, you shouldn't be reading this, but I would ask them some questions. And of course, it's a, a public school, so I'm not fully able to just go right into the nitty gritty of charismatic Christian life like I would want to. But I said, oh, this is an interesting read. This is an interesting choice. You know, it's got killer clowns on the front or whatever. And uh, a lot of the kids were a little bit older, maybe fifth or sixth grade, but there was one kid that was in third grade. And she looked me dead in the eye and she goes, I love these stories. These are my favorite kind of stories. <laughs> and I was like, okay, right? She looked like every normal kid out there. I mean, she wasn't in some sort of a goth phase, but I knew 
this kid has a prophetic anointing and this kid is reaching for something that feels normal to them because they are spiritually sensitive. She's just reaching in the wrong direction. So that happens, right? We reach and, and, and we read these kinds of things. And we, when we do that, we can sometimes misunderstand the power of the name of Jesus. So let's talk about the most controversial witchcraft story in the last 30 years. And you guessed it, it's Harry Potter, right? In my new book, Goodness Culture, actually, I, I write a little bit about Harry Potter, specifically in the parallel that it presents to the first church in, in First Corinthians, um, having this big debate over sacrificed meats, right? And whether you could be saved and eat a meat that had been sacrificed to an idol. And you'll have to get the book to, to read the whole thing. Um, but essentially, the, the case that I made was this topic to this particular church is the same as Harry Potter to the American church, right? Some believers believe that if you read Harry Potter, no doubt about it, you are demonized. And others believe you can read Harry Potter and not be demonized. And they see Christ-like redemption in the story. And there's probably in one camp or the other. Well, here's my biggest issue with Harry Potter. It's not that people would be demonized by reading it. It's that it changes our perspective on prayer. When we read witchcraft-related stories, when we watch you know, witchcraft and sci-fi type shows that are wielding magic, it's creating neuropathways in our brain. Now, just follow me here for a second. That are teaching us something about prayer that's actually not biblical. Now, I'm not saying that you can never watch a sci-fi show or a show that has some sort of fantastical magic in it. You need to take that to the Holy Spirit. For me, there's a couple of shows I know I can't watch. I can feel it in my spirit. It's a no. But others that you know are not as big of a deal to me. I can't tell you the reasonings. I can just tell you I'm asking the Holy Spirit, right? But here's what I know. Anytime I'm watching a show or reading something that is wielding magical power to bring about a specific goal... I know I have to guard myself about prayer. Why? Because the prayer that Jesus asks us to pray, the way we pray in the kingdom of God, is not by casting magical spells. When we pray, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how God is going to answer that prayer. We have assumptions, but we don't know for sure. Praying is not the same thing as casting magical spells. That leads me to the whole point of today's episode, in the name of Jesus. When we say in the name of Jesus, a lot of times we are not aware that we are trying to use that phrase like a, a bit of a spell. I, I know that's a, a leap and a challenging stretch, but I don't have another way to explain it to you. It's like we're commanding something with the magical catchphrase, right? We're trying to get into a speakeasy and we're doing the special knock and they say, uh, you know, what's today's password? And he says, New England clam chowder, right? It's not like that. These are not magical passphrases that make God do your will. In fact, that is what the Bible calls witchcraft. When we try to use spiritual things to control life circumstances devoid of the will of God, that is the biblical definition of witchcraft, which God calls an abomination. It's a big no-no because all of that power comes from a place where God is not God. It comes from the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of darkness. God wants to answer every single prayer. For me personally, I've been camped out in John 15 for the last few weeks and really just meditating on this idea of being in the vine, right? 
being uh, one with with the vine keeper, the vine dresser. It's such a powerful section of scripture, and God's been highlighting stuff to me. I've I've even memorized these passages, and He's highlighting new things to me in this season, and it's been really amazing. And one of the things I keep coming back to is this relationship component where we are in him and he is in us and what we ask for comes to fruition. And here's the key. We are in him. We are in him and he is in us. There's a relationship component to all the things that we pray. So let me ask it to you like this. When you pray in the name of Jesus, what word of those words, there's five words there in that phrase, Which of those words are you emphasizing in your mind? Is it in the name of Jesus? Is it the name of Jesus? Is it in the name of Jesus? (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Which of those words are you fixated on? Because if we're fixated on the name of Jesus, we're kind of leaning away from understanding what the phrase is really all about. So what is it about? Well, it's not name dropping Jesus's name, right? We don't walk into a spiritually charged atmosphere and we're trying to, to you know, take authority over things that are in the room and we're just name dropping. Remember me, I, I know Jesus, right? We don't need to do that. Why? Because the Bible actually has stories of that happening. Remember, um, what is it? The seven sons of, uh, oh, I, I'm forgetting his name, but they were the, the sons of the traveling Jewish exorcist. It's a crazy story in the New Testament, in the Gospels. And um, the disciples, you know, they, they were like beat up by demons. They came like stripped of, of their clothing and, and they were, you know, they'd been assaulted by these demons and they came to the disciples and they're like, we need help. <laughs> we need help. And they wanted to name drop the name of Jesus, right? Or maybe the other story where the demons say, I know who Paul is, but I don't recognize who you are. See, we don't have to um, name drop Jesus because when we are in him and he is in us, the power is there. The name of Jesus or the word Jesus has no magical power just by the syllables you know, being strung together. The power in the name of Jesus is in him. It's who he is. And furthermore, and for a side note, this is probably an episode for another day, taking the Lord's name in vain doesn't mean using the word Jesus in ways that might be bad, right? A lot of us have been grown, have been conditioned, and we were raised to think that, you know, cussing with the name of Jesus was taking the Lord's name in vain. I don't actually believe scripturally that's what it's saying. I'm not advocating that you do it. I think you should really consider, you know, would you cuss with your spouse's name? Would you cuss with your mother's name? Probably not, right? It's not a good idea to do it, especially if we think about our words having power and the literal implications of the things that we're saying. Uh, Not a good idea. But is that what taking the Lord's name in vain is? No, I don't believe that it is. So when we say in the name of Jesus, the emphasis has to be on being in Jesus, not using his name, being in Jesus. So I want you to start thinking about the phrase in the name of Jesus. When you say that, I want you to picture yourself in Christ as if you are standing in the middle of the cross. If you are in a circle and Jesus is the circle, you are in him. Ephesians 1 actually has nine separate references to your union with Christ, using the phrase in Christ, in him, nine different times, just in that one chapter. What does this mean? Well, that means there's something really, really significant about you and Jesus united together 
That's where the power is. It's not you becoming powerful. It's not you wielding his power. It is you surrendering as a vessel for his power to come through you. Now, this is a big distinction that a lot of us kind of get hung up on. So the power is actually on knowing who Jesus is on the inside of you. He says in the Great Commission, right, in Matthew, I believe it's 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth, there's nothing out there more powerful than Jesus. He says, it's been given to me. And some of us have read some faulty translations and we've said, you know, and then Jesus said, and I give it to you. That's not actually accurate. Jesus did not say, I'm giving you all power and authority. And if you've tried to pray for some audacious things, you probably know that it doesn't work that way, right? What he's saying is, it's been given to me and I am in you. Therefore, whatever you ask for in my name can be given to you. And I'm stringing a couple scriptures together there. Whatever you ask for in my name. It's not uh, when a mother says to a child, say, please, I'm not going to give you the dessert until you say please or thank you. That is not what Jesus is saying. It is when you understand your union with him, when you are in my name, whatever you ask for will be given to you. Well, what's required for being in the name of Jesus? Well, discipleship, right? That we are doing the will of the Lord. What are the other things that happen when we are in the name of Jesus? Well, we are thinking the things that he wants us to think, and we're rejecting the thoughts that he doesn't want. We are coming into greater understanding of him through reading the word of God. We are worshiping, we're praying, and we're allowing the union between us to continually overtake our life. And the more that that happens, the more powerful our prayers become. Why? Because our understanding of the power of Jesus being inside of us continues to grow. The Bible tells us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is where? It's in you. It's in you. You don't use it as if it's somewhere else and you're trying to wield it, you know, like um, a Spider-Man No Way Home where that uh, Jamie Foxx villain, I can't think of his name right now, where he's sucking power to himself so he can use it for his own gain. That is not how it works. It's a, a, a marriage of two becoming one, you and Jesus becoming one and the life of Jesus getting a, a chance to live out of you through the needs that are in your life. Let me just end by telling you a quick story, a quick uh, testimony about this. See, the difference that this makes and the difference that the greatest battle that we talked about last week make in your life is in the, the ability to overcome the things the enemy throws at you. Um, when I was first married, this is about 18 years ago, I went through a really dark season of uh, night terrors, and I was actually really afflicted by night terrors for about three or four months. It was awful. Uh, every single night when I closed my eyes, I was tormented by demonic figures. Um, I was having paranormal experiences in my house. It was not pleasant. And uh, I would pray in the name of Jesus. And when I would pray that, I would hope that Jesus would somehow, like these words would somehow scare the enemy, right? I would lay in my bed and I would hope that they couldn't, that they would think I was asleep, you know, because I'm like, well, I know they can't read my thoughts. It doesn't seem like that anyway, but they can see me. So I'll lay here and pretend like I'm asleep and maybe they'll quit bothering me. It didn't work. I would pray in the name of Jesus, hoping that Jesus would lend his power for a moment. At this point in my life, through everything that I've learned and the battles that I've overcome, I wish I could go back to that moment and in one moment, in one breath, 
proclaim that Jesus is Lord of my life. And all of these spiritual afflictions must go, not because I think the name of Jesus is powerful, although I do, but because I know the power of Jesus is resting in me because he is in me. I haven't had a night terror in 15 years since I began to learn this stuff. Now, I will have an occasional bad dream kind of thing, but I'm telling you, if, I, if I'm aware at all that I'm dreaming badly, boom, that's all I need. Here's where Jesus is. Take, you know, let me have your authority, Jesus. Let me have your authority at work in my life. And we overcome it. Because as Christians, we are not, we, we do not need to succumb to the ways of this world and the kingdom of darkness. But when we just pray in the name of Jesus, and our emphasis is on his name and not in our union with him, our, our, it's not that the words, you know, you're not having to change the emphasis, it's your mindset. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's your mindset because that's where your faith is applied. So when we say, when I say to you, and you have an issue, and I lay my hands on you, and I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, what I'm actually doing is I'm aligning myself in the will of God. What is the will of God? That you would prosper that you would have access to the things of God, that you would come into greater awareness of his acceptance over your life, the love of God that's completely, constantly turned towards you, that you would overcome everything the enemy has to throw against you, that you would know you are the head and not the tail. When I am saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, you heard me knock my phone, I'm like so excited about this. When I'm saying to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am saying we are standing in our union with you and you are the master of all things. You are the most authoritative thing there is, being there is, person there is. Nothing is more significant or powerful or authoritative than you. And in that place of understanding, Father, have your way. Do your will. And because we know that he is good, because we trust in his leadership over our lives, we surrender ourselves, and the power of God moves through us and things begin to change. Do you know in your soul, in the deepest parts of you, do you know Jesus? Do you know what his name is doing? Do you know what your union with him is doing? This is where Jesus is taking you to. So the next time you pray, picture yourself in the name of Jesus, inside, joined, united. Your sin is not holding you back. Your issues are not holding you back. He has made solutions for all of those problems. You are in him. So Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand the significance of our union with you. Help us to understand the significance of what it means for you to be living inside of our lives right now, that we are the temple, are the host of you who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, all-majestic, and in complete ability to fix any issue going on in our lives. We welcome you, Jesus, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next time. Be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.